This episode of The Real Podcast is sponsored by Blackjack Contracting. Blackjack Contracting is a team of skilled trades that helps investors across the greater Golden Horseshoe with medium to large size renovation projects. Not only are they fast and friendly, but their specialty is in creating legal basement suites that helps you, the investors, create higher rental premiums. They are an integral part of my dream team, and I highly encourage you to check them out. Hello and welcome. You're in the Real Estate Investors Lounge. So grab a seat and get comfortable as we dive into the strategies, the mindsets, and the motivations of some of the brightest entrepreneurs in the real estate investment world. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Real Estate Investors Lounge podcast. Here's your host, Brian Fitzgerald. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Real Estate Investors Lounge. Tonight's guest is one motivated young lady. Her face seems to be popping up all over my newsfeed, and I'm sure she's shown up on yours too. The guest on the Real Podcast is none other than Danielle Chason. Danielle is always on the go from event to event, so if you're networking and you're in real estate, there's a pretty good chance you guys have crossed paths. Danielle is a real estate agent, an investor in the Toronto and surrounding areas, but more recently, she has been promoting a couple of her events where she speaks to new and seasoned investors on how to use their RRSPs to invest in real estate. So with that, I'm going to leave it so that Danielle can explain what she does and how she does it. But otherwise, Danielle, how are you on this cold and crispy morning? I am stoked, actually. I am excited to be talking to your listeners and, uh, and see what we can learn together. Awesome. I like it. Did I miss anything on that intro? Is there anything you want to add to that? Or did I just screw it up totally? Not at all. No, you really, you're really making me look good. So I appreciate that, hey, Brian. Hey. <laughs> I like it. Good job. Good job, Brian. Good job, Brian. Okay, so that basically sums you up a little bit. It sure does. Yeah. Okay. I great. think um, just all encompassing a real estate investor. I do wear many hats, as you know. Um, it's really hard to put it into an intro. So really, good job. Thank good you. Job well done. Thank you. So Danielle, let's get started. Where Where did your career in real estate begin? Give us a kind of a breakdown of how it all kind of kicked hmm. off. Hmm. That's interesting. Where do I start with that? I guess there's like a, a three part to that. Actually, way back when I was just a young little girl, just coming out into life, I was 19 and I decided I wanted to be a realtor. And um, at that time, I was sharing with friends my thoughts and uh, I was talked out of it because they told me it was not an honest profession and they said, Danielle, you're too honest. You'll never make it in this business. So <laughs> I, I asked them to explain to me what they meant. And they're like, well, think about this. If somebody died in the house, you know, or there's a crack in the foundation or something wrong with the house, you can't disclose that or else you're going to, um, you're going to uh, never sell a house. And very quickly, I believed what I was told, which, by the way, was a lesson for me. Never listen to what other people say <laughs> and do your own due diligence. So I believed what I was told and I didn't go into real estate. And it's one of the decisions that I probably regret not making in my life. So fast forward about nine years and then I bought my first house. So that's when I would say I kind of became, that was my first intro into real estate investing. Because when I bought my first house, I actually bought two. I um, sat down, yeah, I sat down with a broker, said, this is what I got. And I did it with my best friend. And initially we were going to buy one house. And then I was thinking about it and I went back to my broker and said, actually, I want two houses. And she goes, well, Danielle, I don't think we can make it happen. And I said, well, I have faith in you. 
and I'm sure you're going to make it happen. Two houses or none. And guess what? She made it happen. We got two houses. So we ended up living in one, rented out the other. And then a year later, my best friend and I parted ways. It was a clean split. I kept one, which was the rental, and she kept the one we lived in. And uh, that's where I started. After that, uh, I bought several more properties as a buy and hold and thought I knew everything. It was great because I had this figured out, or so I thought. (laughs) And then in 2013, I decided to make real estate investing a career. So that's when I took the plunge. I joined a membership in the States, got lots of coaching and training, did lots of traveling in the States, spent a lot of time learning about real estate investing. And that's when I realized I was just a novice amateur investor prior to all this training. And then that's when my career actually started as a real estate, a seasoned real estate investor. So now I do consider myself a sophisticated real estate investor as opposed to being an amateur real estate investor before. Awesome. known as a landlord. Well, that was a way better intro than what I did. You killed it. (laughs) Jeez. Well, you asked where it all started. (laughs) Making me look bad. It was a bit of a (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's how it all began. That's the that's the story. Okay, yep. so I just so I understand this. So you were 19 and you were thinking about going into it and people said you were too honest, is that right? That's what they said. Yeah, because there's a stigma around realtors. Oh, for know. sure, for sure. I learned that yeah. in, the, in the first year or so. I had some conversation mm-hmm. with people and they're like, "Uh, you're clearly part of the 10% of honest ones." I'm like, "Oh, okay, I got it." Right. So then were you pushed off of that that career path for a little bit then? Is that what you're saying? And then it wasn't until... I really was. Okay. So then what were Mm -hmm. you doing just before you actually became a real estate agent? Well, I was living my life with no regrets. I uh, (laughs) really... This could be another podcast. Oh, that's a whole nother podcast, my friend. Brian, let me tell you. But for now, let's keep it to real estate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, uh, yeah, no, you know what, for the, for the 10 years or eight, nine years of, of my life before, like from that point on to when I bought my first property, I really did. I was trying to find my way like a lot of people do. They'd go to university then I decided I dropped out because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And in the interim, I got a lot of life experiences through traveling and I worked in the service industry. So it was easy because when you're making tips, it's cash in and cash out. And it's, you know, so I really did just live my life. I got pregnant at 27 and that's when I bought the two houses. In fact, funny story, I (laughs) bought these houses and then found out I was pregnant and started freaking out because I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to like work in the service industry pregnant? This is not cool. What am I going to do? I just bought two houses. Yeah, I was freaking out a little bit. Yeah, that's a lot happening at one time for sure. Yeah. So, but you know what? We figured it out. These are the moments that either make you or break you. And more often than not, they're going to make you because you have to find a way through them. Yeah. So, that's okay. There's never the right time to buy a house and there's never the right time to buy a baby. So why not do it at the same to time? To buy a baby? You know? Is that what you said? <laughs> buy a baby. No. Yeah. no, we are not broadcasting that. That's hilarious. That's that's a whole other episode again. Different podcast, yeah, different sure. podcast. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about, you know, sometimes you, you get your back up against the wall and that's when you perform your best, right? Like, um, Absolutely. I find mm-hmm. I... I work my best. I'm my sharpest when I'm under pressure. When things are slow, Mm -hmm. I slow down. And I actually like to keep kind of a pace, which I'm sure you can understand. I absolutely relate to that. I do not do well when I'm not under pressure. Give me, and you know what, actually, this is true for most people. If you give people a deadline, then they make it happen. But if you say, can you get this done for me? And you don't give them a deadline, it's a lot harder for them to perform at the level that you want them to. So, you know, seeing that I manage people too, 
It's also something that I've learned, but I had to learn it within myself. And the hardest thing you can give other people deadlines, deadlines and hold them accountable, but it's a lot harder to do to yourself. So that's a daily struggle for me, as I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs also struggle with. Absolutely. So Daniel, what brought you into the world of real estate? What was it, the attraction? Like you said, you bought two houses, but why? What made you think, hey, two houses is a great idea. I mean, everybody knows you can only live in one house at a time. You can't have three motorcycles because you can only ride one at a time. What was it that brought you into the world of real estate? Well, for me, really, it's just, I'm a logical thinker, so it just makes sense to me logically. So where I bought these houses were in Calgary. In fact, actually, I just sold on October 15th. I closed on the one, my very first property. I just actually got rid of it. But when we were buying these houses, um, it's a numbers thing for me. It just makes sense. So number one, I did it with my best friend. So we're sharing a mortgage. Made sense. I'd be paying less a month into a mortgage than I did into my rent on my own. So it just completely made sense financially. But since I was doing this with a partner, I knew that it would be hard to split a house if things went sideways. So I wanted an opportunity to have a clean break should that happen, which is exactly what we did because I got pregnant and things changed a little bit. Situations change, not always relationships. It doesn't mean if things go sideways, it doesn't mean it went bad. And um, my best friend and I are still best friends now. And, you know, 24 years later, But what happened was my situation changed. And so I couldn't live in that house with a new baby with her. And so we just had a clean break. But in the moment when I made the decision to buy the house, to answer your question, when we were shopping in Calgary, they have a lot of secondary suites. And so I knew that I wanted that extra income. So if I could rent the top floor and I could rent the bottom floor, then, and it would cover all the expenses then it was a no-brainer to me if I can get the mortgage for it. So that's, and it was just a numbers game for me at that point. Logically speaking, it just made sense. And I always wanted to have a house. Like, you know, when at 19, when I was thinking of being a realtor, I should have bought a house then. I would have paid a hundred grand less at the time because it was before Calgary exploded. Right. And so um, I remember back then when I was 19, I could have bought a house for $96,000. I, I ended up buying the house that I, bought for $178,000. <laughs> so that was, you know, what is that? $80,000 more that yeah. I paid for the eight, nine years that I waited. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I rented up the upstairs, the downstairs paid for itself. Mel and I, my best friend paid for the mortgage on the other house. And as you know, every time you make a mortgage payment, there's a principal pay down. That's legit. Just money into your long-term piggy bank. That's your retirement piggy bank. Exactly. Essentially. Smart so girl. instead of paying... Yeah, instead of paying another landlord's retirement fund, I decided to fund my own. So that's really what drove the decision for me. Awesome. I like it. So we talked to, you mentioned that you wear multiple hats, you know, as an entrepreneur. What is your role when it comes to real estate, you know, in the form of being an agent, being a property manager, being an investor? What is it that you're doing there? I guess the easiest way to describe my role would be director or puppeteer maybe (laughs) (laughs) essentially what I do is I just put the people in the right position and they execute what I need them to execute so I don't do I am realtor I don't do any of my own transactions I have realtors that do that for me because we're all limited for time we all have the same amount of time available to us the only way to extend more time in your life is by leveraging up time 
And the way to leverage other people's time is legit to just pay them for their time. So when I go shopping for a new house that I want to rehab, my realtor does that for me. So he does all the vetting, the combing through, and then he'll send the deals to me. And then he'll be like, okay, you know, what about this one? What about that one? He'll go to the property and do a walkthrough with me on FaceTime. I don't actually walk through the property because for me to drive to Hamilton round trip is about an hour and a quarter. So that to me is valuable time that I could be spending here on my business in my office. Right. So really like at the end of the day, that's what I do. I, I just manage people who are executing my vision, okay. you know, executing things that I need. I'm managing the contractors on the job sites. I'm managing the realtor and the marketing vetting properties. I'm managing my marketing person who's sending out <laughs> all those emails to you guys right. for my upcoming events. You know, I'm managing my admin to make sure that everything in, in the back office is up to date. You know, like that's legit what I do all day long, just talk to people and make sure everything's running smoothly. So Danielle, how did you transition to that point where, you know, where you're just a realtor doing the deals yourself, doing the, the, the paperwork yourself, you know, doing the walkthroughs to slowly scaling up to the position you're in? How do you do that? Um, you get really uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm letting it sit there with you for a minute because that's really what it is. You just got to get uncomfortable. Okay. Here's what you realize when you've grown and you've scaled up a bit. When you do something uncomfortable and the world doesn't fall apart, you're like, hey, that wasn't so bad. When you get really uncomfortable and it doesn't work out, you just go back to the way it was. That wasn't so bad either. So once you realize that it's fluid, just because here's what happens. People get into the mindset that, oh, my God, if I hire somebody, like it's an all or nothing kind of mentality that, oh, once I hire somebody, that's it. You're stuck with it. That's what people think without realizing that's what they're thinking or feeling. What happens, though, is that that's not the case. That's all or nothing thinking. When you realize that, hey, I can always shift and move and make adjustments and changes, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Then you realize you're not obligated or stuck in anything. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. No, it really does. So coming back to the all or nothing thinking, that's really what blocks people is that all or nothing thinking. So when you have, you know, when you're thinking about making a change or doing a move, you know, is it all or nothing thinking? If it's all or nothing thinking, you're going to get really uh, emotional about it. When you get emotional, you're not able to make the right decision for you. So get out of that all or nothing thinking. And what will happen is you realize that there's that middle ground that you can work with it. So when you hire somebody, does it have to be full-time? Do you have to hire the best admin at 40 hours a week? No. But for some reason, when you think you got to hire somebody, it's got to be full-time. When I hired my admin, it was three days a week from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Well, she's full-time with me now. But it didn't start that way because when I thought of doing the all or nothing, it paralyzed me. We got to find that middle ground. So when people are thinking of, let's talk about real estate for a minute. When we're talking about doing a flip, well, everybody's like, wow, that one's not distressed enough. That one's not in bad enough shape. That one doesn't have enough problems. Well, what about just picking up a house that's dated? Would you agree that that's maybe the middle ground? Oh, for sure. Yeah. A little bit easier to, easier pill to swallow. You go, okay, I can do this. I can change covered doors and put a new coat of paint and rip up the carpet, put a new floor down. I can handle that. But when you're dealing with a property that when you walk in, smells like urine, you have no idea how you're going to fix that. Mm -hmm. When you walk into a property 
that the basement, you can feel it. You can see the, the water in the basement. I have no idea. But I know this is the property that I need to flip. Right. Why? Why can't you just do a cosmetic rehab? Work your way into it. Hiring people is the same way. Very cool. Find that middle ground. You're going to take away the high levels of anxiety that comes along with the all or nothing thinking. And when you remove that anxiety, you're then able to think clearer and able to make a rational decision because you're taking emotion away. Right. Or at least reducing it. Yeah, redu- probably reducing it. There's always <laughs> there's always some in there. You still gotta get, when you get uncomfortable, it does get emotional, but you got to minimize that because at the end of the day, it comes down to this. If you're being emotional, you're not able to make the right decision. There is no way around that. Yeah. So you got to minimize that. And to add to that, you got. I always say that you should become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Yeah. If you don't, you won't grow. Right. Absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. So let's switch gears for a second, Danielle. Let's talk about what you're doing to show people that specific way of funding investments, like specifically these, these events you're holding where you're um, accessing your RRSPs. Can we talk about that a little bit and, and kind of break it down for me? Well, where do we start? Here's the first thing. There is, um, there is a belief out there that you can't use your RSPs to uh, loan out on private mortgages. So essentially, yes, you can. Yes, it is legal. It has to be done a certain way so that it's legal. And you can increase your returns in your portfolio quite significantly because of that. So a couple of things that I like about it. One, it does increase your returns makes your returns consistent and manageable. And it's also asset-based lending, which means this. It means there's a tangible asset that you're lending on that's used as security against your money. Unlike a mutual fund or stock that your broker maybe has invested into for you, which is not tangible, it's paper. You're legit just buying shares in a company, which is a piece of paper, and you've got zero control. So if there's anything that goes sideways with the company, the company goes up, goes down, you're completely exposed to somebody else's control. So that's why I like lending on private mortgages because it gives you more control. And if something happens that the borrower doesn't pay, there's a tangible asset that's held as security. So you can always go after the asset. You don't have that option when it comes to stock. So first thing I want to say is, yes, you can. Yes, it's legal. Everybody thinks that you can't do it and it's illegal. The answer is no. The reason why I developed this seminar on using RSPs to do arms length mortgages is because I got tired of people going in the front of the room saying, hey, you can do this. Come talk to me. I'll show you how to unlock your RSPs and lend and blah, blah, blah. But they didn't really showcase. There's a lot of misleading from some people at the front of the room that I've, that I've seen. And they, they kind of glorify it and make it sound great, but there is downfall. And so I created the seminar to open up everybody's eyes and to be aware of the pros and the cons of doing this. It is not completely passive because you have to constantly be moving your money into the next deal. So for example, if you were to lend to me on my next flip, I just closed on one last week. Let's say you let me, Brian, using your RSP, you got a six month term. At the end, I'm done my flip. I sell the property. You get paid out. Everybody's happy. Well, then what do you do with your money, Brian? Sitting in an account somewhere. If you're being passive, that means you're not doing anything. If you're not doing anything, you haven't found the next deal to roll that money into. 
And if your money is just sitting in an account, your annual yield will drop the longer it sits. So now that 8% is not 8% anymore. So if you're looking for completely passive, your best bet is to leave it where it's at. Put it in an investment where it's going to make a return without you doing any work on it. When you're moving your money from a registered account at a traditional bank and you're moving it into a a trust company and it's a self-directed fund, you have to self-direct that fund in order for it to make money. You can get great returns lending. I get 15% on my mortgages. You can make great returns, but you have to work it. Really cool. I like it. This is kind of your new little wheelhouse right now, right? This is the trademark of Daniel Chason. Well, no, I've got this one. This, I mean, this workshop that I did was really because I got annoyed with people being misinformed or misled. So that's why I created this one. I have another workshop. It's an actual workshop, not an event, just a workshop where we're actually going through um, that I'm doing also at the end of the month. Uh, it's a two-day workshop, and it's for people that are new or stuck in real estate, and it's to give them clarity on their path because the journey changes. And what happens is we start investing in real estate, we go down one path, and then once we hit a roadblock or we, we've gone as far as we can go, you don't know where to go anymore. And with real estate, real estate is a really big word. Real estate investing is massive. There's so many different ways, so many different methods that you can go in. What's the right investment strategy for you? So I created this two-day workshop that we've had nothing but great things come out of it where I clear the path for you. I have a really small group. We go through and we talk about what your investments are, like what do you have that you can invest, meaning capital, what equity you can tap into, what time capital do you have? Because if you're working full-time, I'm going to tell you right now, don't do a flip. It's time-intensive. Oh, yeah. Don't do a flip unless you have a partner who can be your boots on the ground. So you have to find the right strategy for you. And that also actually was born because a lot of people reached out to me that got into trouble because they started in the wrong strategy. You have to look at your personal situation, see where you're at, what you can commit to, to find the right strategy. So sometimes, you know, you you might think you're going to get better returns with this strategy, but when it doesn't work out for you, it's not getting better returns than the right strategy would have been because it's costing you more in the long run. And I got, I got really tired trying to help people get out of the mess simply because they chose the wrong strategy. So, so that's a two-day workshop. I call it reverse engineering real estate. And I call it that because we look at you and not the strategy. I've spent a lot of time, as you know, in the room as an attendee at events. And I really get a good, like I really have my finger on the pulse as far as, what people are digesting and how they're impacted by the information they're given primarily because I went through it, but also now because I get to be on the outside looking in. And so way too often than not, there's different strategies that are shared from the front of the room and people are attracted to it because it's good returns or it's a place in, um, I don't know, down South somewhere. It's a new development or, you know, it sounds really sexy when people are doing case studies, they're going to show you the best numbers on the best deal that they had on a flip, which is not going to be typical. And so they fall in love with all of that for all of the wrong reasons. And then they start applying these strategies, but it's not the right strategy for you. So then what happens is when you can't efficiently and effectively deliver on the strategy, you're not going to get the returns you thought you were going to get. It's just as simple as that. Yeah. And you can totally derail your investing future 
by picking the wrong strategy, right? So it's uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you're basically you're kind of tailoring it to the specific person, and based on probably their financial status, Mm -hmm. their income, their time, obviously, and then you're gearing Mm -hmm. an investment strategy for them, saying, "Hey, Bob." You're a busy guy. This is probably the strategy for you. Mary, you've got lots of time. This might be the strategy for you. Absolutely. That's cool. I've never seen that before. That's really neat. Yeah, that's why it's called a workshop because we're actually working through the two days. So the first three modules of the workshop on day one, Saturday morning, first thing we do is we look at you, first three modules. And then we start matching you right investment strategies. And then when we talk about the different strategies, I think I go through eight or nine different investment strategies. We talk about the pros and cons. And who you're going to need. And then on day two, when I get into the informational stuff, picking your power team, how to run numbers, how to work the deals, that sort of thing, how to market for your strategy, and then you can apply it. So by the end of day two, I have you pick your first three things that you do. Because in my coaching, the way I do my coaching is accountability-based coaching. Everybody knows what they got to do. Nobody does it. That's the problem. Yeah. Goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, right? So everybody knows what you got to do, but we're so busy doing everything else that we don't do that. Holding yourself accountable is the hardest part. So that is the true, in my opinion, the true value of coaching. It's like, hey, where are we at? What have you gotten done? And this is what you got to do for the next couple of weeks. And I expect it to be done. Yeah. I think accountability is massive. Accountability is huge. Oh, huge. Huge. Absolutely. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I like it. So is there a cost associated with these workshops? Uh, yeah. So the workshop for the two-day event, so reverse engineering real estate is four ninety nine. Okay. I do uh, give you a guest pass. And the reason for that is because if you have a partner, you should bring them along okay. because it'll be really hard for you to translate all the information that I give you in two days yeah. to your partner inside of a 15-minute conversation. Not going to happen. Yeah. And a lot of times, too, what happens is they say, look, just trust me, Danielle said I need to do this. Well, that's just not enough for your partner to be on board. No, absolutely. So, so I always have a guest pass and be very be very um, particular about who you're bringing. That's going to benefit you the most. So that's 4 for that. If you want, Brian, maybe I can send you a code for your podcast listeners. Yeah. I have one coming up November 30th and 1st. Okay. I don't know when you're launching this podcast, but if you want, we can talk and I'll yeah. set something up for your for your people. Yeah. And then the RSP workshop using um, RSPs to fund private mortgages. That's coming up November 23rd, the week before. It's a one-day workshop. And the process for using RSPs, I could probably condense that into a half-day workshop, but I want to make sure that you guys understand the whole scope of investing. So I do a lot of investing fundamentals and understanding numbers along with that. So it is a full day event as well. And that is $2.99. And again, if you want, when we're done the podcast, let's talk. Yeah. We'll, we'll give something to your people. Sounds great. I think those sound like wholesome, good foundation to kind of get things started for anybody who's interested in investment, like investing in real estate. I think those would be a great start and a great foundation to build on. So kudos, might have to check those out. Might have to check those out. <laughs> You're welcome to join me. Absolutely. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Yeah. So Danielle, let's go in a different path right now. So we've obviously talked about your events and your workshops and kind of what you're doing. What is your strategy right now? I know you tailor strategies to certain people, but what's your what's your ideal strategy right now or what's kind of your uh, in your wheelhouse right this time, right at this moment? Wow. You know, being an entrepreneur at heart, being a true entrepreneur, 
there's this thing that I learned when I was doing my training in the States. It's called entrepreneurial ADD. It is the hardest thing for me to stay in any one niche. Hmm. And as much as I know that I probably should, I really just want to do it all. And so what is my thing? I absolutely have a passion of flipping houses. If you've seen any of my live videos on Facebook, I love it. I love going into a house. I don't see the mess. I don't see the problems. I see the final product. I can't explain it. And I love it because I know that I'm delivering a product that I can be proud of to a new family who's absolutely going to love it. And I just love seeing the transformation. Now, here's why I think that is that I love it so much. Because everybody needs a sense of purpose in life in order to feel good about themselves. And this really makes me feel good. Like, I know that I'm delivering something that is going to be somebody's home for a long time that they're going to just, they're going to raise their kids, they're going to create memory. I don't know. It's just really, I love it. But is that the end all for me? It's where I started. Well, no, it's not where I started. I started as a landlord, but when I started my career, it was in flipping. But it's, it's not the end all for me because I'm so passionate about helping people. So, you know, I started doing that. I started coaching, started doing these events. I learned that by being asked to be on stage at a few different events that I've spoken to over the last two and a half, three years. And just love helping people and sharing what I know with people. And that is also a passion of mine because it makes me feel good. I just can't describe the feeling that I get when I know I'm helping somebody and I'm helping them get unstuck and out of a dark place. And so that's also a passion of mine. But now I'm trying to focus more on creating consistent revenues for myself so that I can scale. Because in order for me to scale bigger than I am, I need more revenue so I can hire more people. So now I'm looking at alternative investing strategies, which is I'm looking at doing stock options and different stuff. Not really ready to share that with anybody because I haven't mastered that yet. Right. But, you know, just additional sources of income. What I do know about being a business owner is if you create multiple sources of income in different areas, it negates risk. So when there's market ups and downs, so one will carry the other. So that's kind of where I'm at because as an entrepreneur and being self-employed, I've got to make sure that I'm protected at some level. Yeah. And so that's kind of one of the ways that I'm doing it. But I'm also like, I just want to learn everything and do everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. need to, you know, and I'm sure you suffer from that too, Brian. I mean, there's just so many different ways we can go in, right? No, but I, I absolutely love everything that I'm involved in. I love it. Right. I understand that totally. And I, I have this, this thought every now and then it's, it's kind of like, I wish I had thought of these things 10 years ago, you know, like when I was in my twenties, right? I would probably own half of the world by now. If I just thought of these 10 years ago or 10 years before that, when, you know, like you said, you're just living your life, having a good time as was I, and I was in the service industry too. I just wish I had this information when I was younger. So hopefully, I mean, it sounds like you'll probably be passing that along in, in some of your workshops and your seminars. So that's great for those people that are going to be attending. Now, when you're talking about different path, like revenue streams, I don't know, were you at the uh, Wealth Hacker event last weekend? Were you there? No, Brian. Unfortunately, I wasn't at the Wealth Hacker event. Okay. As you said in the beginning of the podcast, I am in a lot of events. I'm constantly getting coached and trained and educated by different people. I'm always in a room somewhere. And um, funny enough, I was supposed to be in Miami from November 6th to the 12th doing UPW, which is Unleash the Power Within. 
So I was going to do that because I'm on this huge personal growth journey, not just business development, but personal growth. I think it has to start with personal growth. And um, I was really wanting to be at the Wellpacker event, but I found out about it before, or sorry, after I'd already booked Tony Robbins. And then this other event happened to pop up. I actually canceled Tony Robbins and did this other event learning about stocks and um, doing option trading, which was just blew my mind. I was all over it. But I do know that Erwin's doing his own as well. Did you go to the Wealth Hacker? Did you find out about that? I did. Yeah, I was there. Obviously, a lot of people were hyped up about uh, Grant Cardone being there. And I mean, uh, he's, he's a pretty motivational guy. But when you were talking about different streams of revenue, he, he had mentioned something that really stuck with me. It was actually probably the biggest portion of that whole day was that, you know, don't just invest in one thing or don't focus on one thing. And his analogy was like, don't just go deep, go wide. You know, and, right. and when you were saying about different, you know, obviously we're big advocates of real estate. I am, you are, and a lot of people we network with are. But it's as much as I love it and I, I can, I, I'm happy to help people, it's not the only thing out there. And I think you're wise to think of other ways of investing, you know, like stock options and stuff like that. So it's just when you said that, it resonated with me what Grant Cardone said that, you know, just don't go deep, go wide. And I like that. Right. Here's what I'm going to say. I 100% agree with him. Obviously, he's a smarter guy than I am. He's been doing this a lot longer than I have. But I did learn this from my coaches, the same theory. But I'm going to expand a little bit on what you just said about what Grant Cardone said. I will tell you, what you need to do is you need to jump into a business, set it up, master it, hire the right people so that they can they can run the business for you before you start going wide. Because if you start doing too much, you never get anywhere. You'll just end up spinning your wheels in the mud. Ask me how I know. How do you so know? what you want to do, well, let's, let's <laughs> not go there. Um, I had to, no, seriously, I had to, you know, my coach just said to me, Danielle, you need to pull back on everything you're doing, pick one thing and roll with it. And then I, I had to learn, I had to learn the hard way because I didn't listen the first time around because I wanted to do everything. And I think I'm superwoman and think I can do everything, but I had to pull back. I had to pull back and I had to say, nope, okay, let's just focus on flipping right now. So I had to set up my system, build up my company and put the right people in the right place so that it could run itself and have very minimal my time in it. And so that's what I did. And then from there was when I grew into speaking and consulting and coaching. And now I have my events. I'm not 100% there with my events and my coaching. I should be focusing all of my time on that as my flipping business is running itself. But again, I'm getting sidetracked a little bit with these stock auctions and stuff. But I have people that are waiting for me to do the stock stuff with me. And I may be justifying it a little bit right now saying, you know, it's okay that I do this because, you know, this is why. And we do that. I do that. Everybody does that. We justify what we do and why we do it. Um, but call yourself out on it and, you know, ask yourself, is that really um, a good enough reason? And should I be doing this? And I asked myself that and the answer was yes. So I am allowing myself to be a little bit distracted uh, from the speaking and the coaching, but because I really want to do more of that, but I will get back to it. So coming back to what you said about Grant Cardone, yes, go wide. I fully, fully, fully am behind that statement. But make sure that you only go wide when what you're working on right now is is working and it's requiring minimal of your time, that you can oversee it. So you want to make sure you build up your business, build up your brand, get the systems in place, put the right people behind the systems to run them, and then move on to the next. And this is what Richard Branson does. He goes in, he buys a company, 
He gets management in, replaces who he needs to replace. He oversees it for six months, three to six months. And then he sets up what he needs to set up with it. And then he goes out and buys another business. But he doesn't buy it like five or six businesses all at the same time and tries to fix them all. He does one at a time. And he doesn't move on until it's done. Because if you try to do everything, you get nothing done. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You need to be able to focus and and put the time in and and put the resources in. It's you can't spread yourself too thin. And I've I've been a victim of that in the past. And, you know, that's usually when when things start failing and you get sick and you're worn down and you're burnt out and, you know. Right. I think most of us need to learn the hard way, truthfully. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's okay. Because you know what? Sometimes that's what it takes for you to have your eyes wide open. That's okay because that's the process you have to go through in order to get to where you're going to get to. Yeah. My first project with regard to real estate investing was a flip that I had no business doing. You know, I'm a handy (laughs) guy. I do a lot of renovations myself and I watch too much of that HGTV Mm -hmm. and I got in there and all my money was invested. Plus at the time I was pretty young. So I had some of my parents' money in there and I'm like, holy shit, I have no choice other than to do this. Like there's sometimes, you know, you have a crappy job somewhere, you walk away or, uh, you know, something didn't go right. You walk away. This is like, I can't, I cannot walk away. And honestly, that was probably my biggest lesson in regards to real estate investing that I'll ever have. And I'm Mm -hmm. thankful for it. I have very little hair left, but who cares? (laughs) Like I can afford a toupee now, so it's all good. But, but you're right. It's, it's a lesson, you know, and, and it's a case of, it goes back to becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's exactly what it was Mm -hmm. for me. And I know you can attest Mm -hmm. to it. And some people, they just, and we've talked about this on the podcast before with, with other guests is some people want to have all their ducks in a row before they even pull the trigger on anything. And you know, the whole Mm -hmm. analysis paralysis. And then honestly, the amount of people I said, I'm like, just jump, you know, you're not going to die. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to sink your life. You know, it's not going to ruin everything. That's the best way to learn again, back up against the wall. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I do believe in that, but I do think you don't need to have all your ducks in a row, but you have to have certain pieces in place. And then once you're like, "Hmm," here's the point when you, you know, you should dive in. You go, "Hmm, am I almost there? Yeah. You're there. (laughs) Yeah. Because if you're asking yourself, is the time right now? Yeah. It's the right time. Cause you're never going to have, cause what follows after that, is everything else that you you don't have in place, which you probably will never have in place. Yep. So Absolutely. if you if you're asking yourself, mm, I could probably do it. I don't know if I should. Well, yeah, you should. That's the point when you should be taking that plunge. Right. Hundred percent. Cool. So Danielle, what does the future hold for you? Where Where are you going from here? So <laughs> <laughs> take me with you. Take me with you. Uh, for your listeners, uh, I don't know when you're going to publish this podcast, but we just had our first snowstorm in November, on November, what was it, 9th? Yeah. And uh, it has been cold. It was minus 21 yesterday. And honestly, if this is what winter's going to look like, yeah, the next step for me is to go south. Now, coming back to reality, I don't know if that'll happen this winter because I have three kids still that are in school and uh, I have other responsibilities. If we're talking business, where do I go from here? Honestly, I just want to grow sharing my knowledge and helping people. So I do want to grow strategic success. 
I don't want to let go of flipping because I love it so much, even though right now the market is not conducive to flipping. So I've modified my strategies a little bit in the flipping to make it a little bit more lucrative and so that I can still continue to flip and do what I love. But I do just want to grow essentially as an investor. I am growing outside of the real estate world. And what I mean by that is, you know, three years ago, I considered myself a real estate investor. Now I consider myself just an investor because I look at different investment strategies outside of real estate. I'm looking at buying businesses. I'm looking at stocks. I'm still looking at real estate. I lend on mortgages, which is more of an investor thing rather than quote unquote real estate investing. So I'm just, you know, what does it look like for me for the future? Just growing as an investor overall and as a business owner. Very cool, because you you've definitely evolved from you know even the the start of this conversation of, of you know thinking about being an agent, being dissuaded otherwise, and then look at you now. Mm-hmm. Look yeah. back at those people well, and say, "Look know. at me now." <laughs> you know, if I can, at the end of the day, here's what I can tell your listeners as well: don't compare yourself to others; compare yourself to the old you. Yeah. So, you know, if I look back at myself a year ago, I impress myself, and that's what you need to that's what you need to be aiming for. You know, if I look back at where I was five years ago to where I am today, I literally blow my mind. And so, and I want to just continue that. I want to keep doing that. Good for you. I just want to keep becoming the better version of myself personally and professionally. Good. Nothing wrong with that. So, Danielle, we do a bit of a fire round with our, our guests. Uh, we ask a series of questions and we just kind of get your point of view on it. You uh, you ready for it? Okay. All Let's right. do this. The fire round. All right, so Daniel, where do you see yourself in the next twelve months, other than south? <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> uh, where do I see myself in the next twelve months? I see myself more organized in the next twelve months, and I see myself more congruent between my personal life and my business life. Okay, cool. There's also the market. Now, I know you said the, the market's not really conducive to flipping, but where do you see the market in the next 12 months? Uh, I see the market more fearful in the next 12 months. I'm not sure that will have tipped over in the next 12 months, but there's going to be more fear. When that fear peaks is when we're going to tip over. And essentially, right now, we're not, we're not there yet. It's still just a buzz and a chatter. And so I think it's still going to be a decent market to invest in, but I do caution people that buy turnkey properties at this point because with the turnkey property, there's no room for improvement right. to negate against the downside. But in the next 12 months, where do I see the market? I, I just see it more fearful. Interesting. Closer to, the, closer to the top, the bubble or whatever you want to call it. Oh, the, the infamous bubble. All right. Mm. Yeah, Daniel, we've been chasing that bubble for like four and a half years. Yeah, at least, at <laughs> least. <laughs> Danielle, who do you learn from? Oh, who do I learn from? Anybody who's smarter than me? Anybody who's done more than me? Anybody who wants to teach me? Honestly, I learn from anybody and everybody, even those that are my minuses. So you have pluses and minuses in your life and you have your equals. And uh, I like to learn from my minuses a lot because the perspective there is a lot different than from your pluses. And I, I learn from my pluses a lot. But when you learn from people who are coming up, trying to catch up to you, if you're really good at opening your eyes and your ears and listening to what they say, they're going to point out things to you that nobody else can. And that's probably where I love to learn the most. 
I don't do a whole lot of reading and podcasting because I eat and live and breathe real estate. And um, when I have a moment to myself in the car, I'm usually, uh, that's my mobile office. It's usually where I make my phone calls. So I don't do a whole lot of podcasting. And I had heard somewhere a long time ago that two hours in an event is like reading a book. And if I were to quantify that, I've read a lot of books. (laughs) (laughs) So like if you listen to two hours of Grant Cardone, he'll cover everything in a book that he's read or that he's written. And that's kind of how I read my books and digest the knowledge. Uh, The pluses and the minuses. Where did you learn that Mm -hmm. from? And can you elaborate on that? I know this is supposed to be the fire round, but I found that to be interesting. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, the pluses and the minuses and your equals. So I went to an entrepreneur fitness retreat in uh, just outside of LA. We went into the, I think it was the Santa Monica Mountains and had a weekend of kick-ass. Oh, am I allowed to say that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Say whatever you want. Yeah, so I did a four-hour loop that was actually put on by the Tough Matter guys. And it was all just a whole bunch of business owners and entrepreneurs. And they had just amazing speakers that weekend. But Jesse Itzer was one of them. And uh, I think they call him the 100 Mile Man. Okay. And uh, he talked about the pluses and the minuses. And he says, as you're here learning from your pluses, because they had a great lineup of pluses, like I said, he was one of them. He said, don't forget to help us. But that's where the payoff comes. You know, if you can pull somebody up to, to come up the, you know, come up the rings or come up to your level and rise them up along your journey. It's just part of giving back. Right. Cool. So I was in a room full of equals and we had a stage full of pluses that we were learning from. And he was reminding us about our minuses. So you really ask yourself about, you know, who's your plus, who's your minus and who's your equal in life. And then once you have that perspective of who they are, then you're able to better position yourself to interact with those people to maximize your time and that relationship. I like it. I'll have to keep that in mind. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to read, the, I'm going to skip the question about books or podcasts because you don't have time and you just prefer to listen <laughs> to motivational speakers, which equals two hours of reading. Uh, if you could do one thing differently in the last year, uh, what would it have been? Hmm. I could do one thing differently in the last year. What would it have been? Oh, that's a good one. Probably. Okay. Yeah. No, not a probably. This is a for sure thing. If I could have done anything differently in the last year. What would it have been? It would have been to be more dedicated to my top three. Well, they call them goals. So I'm really working on goal setting and following that. And I'm not very disciplined in that. Um, I do believe that in, with practice over time, it will become more consistent. And maybe if I was able to turn the clock back 12 months, I think I would have been more disciplined. Because once you realize, you know, I just came out of an event on November 2nd, and um, there was a speaker there that spoke about eating the frog. So if you have your top three goals, and those are the only three things you do in the day, if you set them up the night before and you eat the frog first thing in the morning, then you feel like you've accomplished something and then it fires you up and motivates you to keep going for the rest of the day. So I'm really working on eating the frog or getting the top three goals done. And um, when you start doing that, you start finding momentum and you get a lot more done. So I'd, I'd really like to nail that. And um, if I could go back 12 months, I probably would push myself a little bit harder to, to do that. Excellent. Excellent. I like that. What is a valuable piece of information you take with you 
and that you'd like to share with other investors? Mm, trust but verify. I tell people this all the time. Just because one of your classes says something doesn't make it true. Right. So just because a professional in the right industry has told you something doesn't make it true. Trust but verify. It's my $20,000 tip. And that's, again, a podcast for another day. But just trust me when I say it's a $20,000 tip. Okay. So Sounds good. trust what people say. We all naturally want to trust others and we want to believe in what they're saying, which that is 100% okay. But just make sure you verify what you're being told. Because had I verified at the age of 19 that I would have been able to make money as a realtor, even though I'm honest, I still would have been able to make it work. Had I verified that, I would be in a very different place today. Yep, absolutely. I trusted and I didn't verify. Lesson learned. $20,000 lesson learned. Well, if I were to put a number up against that lesson, had I oh, known back then. <laughs> oh, don't, don't do it. It'll be depressing. <laughs> it's not 20000 It's all of a sudden exponential. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. There's a few more say, zeros on yeah, that trust, for sure. Yeah. You want to trust and verify. You know what? There's a lot of people even that go to the front of the room and they talk things. And, um, you know, you just want to you just want to trust and verify. That's as far as I can go with that. But you just want to make sure that people are saying what they're saying is true. And just understand this. When I say that, I'm not saying that everybody is lying. They're not lying. Everybody's perspective is different. Everybody's point of view is different. And maybe how they're interpreting what they're saying is different than how you're digesting it. So that's what makes Trust But Verify such a powerful statement. Yeah. And maybe that's what motivated you to start speaking regarding your workshops. Because like you said, there was people misleading up there and you want to uh, debunk some theories and, and set people on the right course. So that makes sense. And, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're a proponent to that. So. Awesome, Danielle. That's that concludes the fire round. I hope you made it out okay. Um, it's pretty intense. I know. I know. I can breathe I know. now. Take a moment. Take a moment. <laughs> but no, I really want to uh, thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy lady to speak with me, and uh, I'm sure there's I a lot. I appreciate of... you having me on. No problem. No problem. My pleasure. But uh, it'll be some good content for the listeners. Sounds good. 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 Awesome. I'm glad. Thank you from the Real Estate Investors Lounge. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our website at www.reilounge.ca for more episodes and information.